Hello, one and all, to the 10th episode of the Stranger Nerds podcast. I'm Mitchell Lee alongside Tommy Grant on the Jersey Nerds Productions. And uh, we're without Connor Vandermark and Nick Izzo for this one. So instead of our typical watching an episode and going through our thoughts, feelings, concerns, who we want Nancy to end up with banter that we usually that we usually go through at this time of night. We're going to do something a little bit different because we don't want to talk about these episodes without these guys. You know, if one person's off, you know, we can kind of get their thoughts and opinions on the next one briefly. But with half of the podcast not being uh, available to record, we thought maybe let's do something a little bit different. Hold off. Do the next one as we get further and further into season two with Connor and Nick to join us. So Tommy had a fantastic idea uh and it really works out given the fact that we just wrapped up season one to kind of go through and you know this this this, the show has always been known as kind of a throwback uh an homage to the 80s classic 80s movies uh spielberg uh it's kind of synonymous the the spielberg blockbuster is kind of synonymous uh with the time it's kind of the thing that everyone looks back on fondly, but there's a lot of other stuff to uh, to look at as well. But I will let Tommy start yeah. us off with what he thinks is the biggest influence and, uh, you know, the most referenced, uh, whatever category you want to yeah, put it, these in. Yeah, it's hard to really categorize these because, I mean, the Duffer Brothers took inspiration from just, I mean, dozens and dozens of classic 80s sci-fi. Let's say, yeah, I'd probably say sci-fi, sci-fi and horror movies. And I thought this was a good episode for you and I to do, Mitchell, since for those of you that have listened closely, Mitchell and I are big movie nerds. Mitchell yes. definitely being the superior of the movie nerds. How many I movies think that you, have you what, seen this year? I have seen, I just got to 80 this year yeah um just just after watching (laughs) just after watching godzilla minus one that was my 80th movie of the year and that's a great movie to top on to number 80 it was it was lovely fantastic um but we're also here we're here to talk about some other movies that are great and some of them i have not seen uh we're kind of in the I know before the show, you had mentioned you hadn't seen a few of these, so I'm, I'm interested to hear which ones yeah. you've seen off this list. So for those of you listening, we're going to talk off a few, but the major movies that I listed that the Duffer Brothers had big inspiration from, we have the 1979 movie Alien, the 1988 movie Akira, which is one of the ones I've definitely not seen. Uh, I have not seen that either, although I hear it is a classic, and I really want to get more into those kind of anime movies. We will definitely have to watch because I I had never it's, even heard of it. It's it's on the uh, four thousand one hundred uh, and six or whatever movie list I sent you the other night. Is it? It's it's on there. Yeah. Oh, perfect. All right, so we'll have to watch that. <laughs> um. Then the 1977 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is a classic sci-fi movie from that time. I another one that I have not seen. I've seen I've seen bits and pieces, but it's just I mean you everyone's heard of that movie, whether yeah. they've seen it or not, they've heard of it. Oh yeah. Um, 
the big one that we've definitely talked on the show quite a bit. We have E.T. from 1982. That is definitely never heard of it. No. Liar. <laughs> yeah, no, that although I will say I do think it's a little overrated. I do love it, but I think that it's it's a, it's, it's definitely it's not on my overrated. it's definitely not on my yearly rewatch of movies. When it comes to Spielberg, it's not in my like top five of his, but no, it's, it's one it's that everyone more, it's more of a kid's movie. Everyone kind of seems to want to kind of recapture the magic that that movie gave to so many people. And I think it would hit a little bit different if you were a kid in the early 80s. I think that that's something that would kind of stick with you forever. You know, let's talk about it very fondly, like my parents. But I, it's definitely influential on this show. Absolutely. And we will definitely, it's definitely one of the bigger ones we will cover on this episode. Um, and we have 1984 Firestarter, which is another one I have not seen. There's more of these that I haven't seen that I thought. Yeah. Uh, Firestarter, I know they just remade it last year and no one liked the remake of it. And so that's kind of turned me off to watching this, but I, I think I'll have to check it out. We'll, we'll have to watch point. the originals because nowadays it's just everybody wants to make a remake of the 70s and 80s movies. So we have to at least watch the original. Before some of we, them are some yeah. of them are decent, like the Evil Dead movies they've been making recently, which wasn't an inspiration necessarily for Stranger Things, but they reference it in one of the episodes. I know there's they a poster do. of it. Uh, the Evil Dead movies that have been coming out have been pretty good. Yeah, that is true. Um, then we have the 1985 classic The Goonies, which is definitely one of my favorite movies from that era. It's a good one, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it is a a fan again one of those. If you were, especially if you were a kid in the early to mid '80s, you hold that movie with a special place in your heart, and that's those, kind of the vibe. Those listening, we are all '90s kids on this show. We are all, I think, we're all born in '94. Actually, I mean, we're '90s kids, but I think that it, it's we are born in '94, and so we're really like '2000s kids. Because like, yeah, we were like, late 80s, 80s, 90s movies we watched. I know I've watched all these as a kid. Yeah, well, that's because our parents were like, hey, this is what you need to be watching. These yeah. were fantastic these when I was younger. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, and we have and the... that's that's kind of where you get the whole storyline line of the, the, the kids coming to save the day kind of comes yeah. from, obviously, there's there's been a ton of movies that have had kids as our main protagonists but it's 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 very strong goonies vibes from the kids yeah and from there we have the indiana jones trilogy uh we have 1975 uh jaws the 1984 film nightmare on elm street which is one of my favorite horror movies i've never seen that one and that is one of the biggest like now when you say that one are you saying that series or just that specific nightmare on elm street movie because that's the, the first only one. nightmare on elm street movie i've seen is the 2010 remake and it's terrible wow and i know that, that i like I, i'm really excited to watch the uh the west craven 1984 nightmare on elm street with johnny Depp. i i, I think i'd really enjoy it did you did uh, you know that giant that was like johnny depp's like career starter in film yeah, well, it was, yeah, that, between that and the, the 21 Jump Street TV show, that was, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was that, surprised that Elm, movie. 
that that nightmare on elm street i'm i'm really bad with like 80s horror uh i'll kind of jump down the list just to just a, a you know two spots uh the shining is one that i've seen it's probably like the only 80s horror movie that i've seen and coincidentally it's also my favorite horror movie of all time it is a great one it's definitely a long one to get through but if you have the time to sit down and focus it's a great yeah movie. A, a lot of these horror movies kind of get to the get to the point right away and the shining definitely takes its time but i think that's what i like about it so much yeah and to finish up the list, we got Poltergeist from 1982. Ah, that's another one. That's another one. I oh, have not. Right. I, and I haven't seen. I haven't seen the remake for that one either. Oh, god damn it, Mitchell! <laughs> um, I know. I, I'm telling you, 80s horror is a major blind spot for me. We we will definitely work on that. Yeah, we have to. And then to wrap up this list, we got Stand by Me, 1986, which is actually one of the films I've not seen. I know really okay movie. now we get to we, we get to flip-flop a little bit i yep. love that movie i know the concept a, of the movie but i've never sat down and watched it it's a classic it, it, you would love it and it's also very it's goonies but i don't want to say less fun because it is definitely a little bit more serious um now does it count straight- if i've seen the family guy adaptation of stand by me no what <laughs> That's a thing that exists in society. Oh, yes, Fa- oh. Family Guy rap- raps on like every pop culture movie since like the fifties, and I know they did one on Stand by Me, and that's part of how I know the it doesn't count. Though I will tell you that right now, it does not. I count. won't say it counts, but I, that's where I get the concept. I know where it's like. I know what the movie's about, based yeah. on. And then the last not least we have the star wars trilogy obviously i mean we don't need to say anything more about that because it's just pop culture wise it's something that's still going on today yeah um i don't want to say unfortunately but kind of unfortunately because the uh i've i i i haven't watched andor and i know i need to but the movies kind of ended on a sour note recently like solo and rise of skywalker weren't very good yeah, uh, and it's, also it's it just—that's a, a whole other tangent for another. It another is, and it just created a lot of really <laughs> nasty internet discourse. So it's a lot less fun to talk about than yeah, I mean, it Star probably Wars used to be. Probably the most toxic in all of fandom across the board. It's uh, yeah, there, there's there's a definite argument to be made for that. Uh, but because of that, there's a lot of passion there, yeah. and that came from the original Star Wars trilogy, which. I mean, there's no real secret as far as what it's really referencing. And then Star Wars is kind of just a rip-off. Not a rip-off, but, like, it's very heavily influenced from the Dune books. But uh, 11 basically being able to use the Force or something kind of equivalent to that. Yeah. Um, And and then, obviously, if there's there's that Millennium Falcon uh, toy that Mike has at the beginning of one of the episodes... Well, you know, let's just let's just dive in now with Star Wars because that's let's definitely influential because it's more of a they use it as a reference point. Um, not much of the story is based off of Star Wars in any way, but just referencing it throughout the show, it makes quite a few appearances. And but just- it's also not at the point where because there's a lot of shows, movies that do references to things, and it, sometimes it feels like 
you made this movie or show take place in the 80s or 90s or 70s or whatever just so you could talk about the things that yes. the writer or director liked. And maybe that's the case with this. But the important thing is I don't see that. I just see these kids are existing in this time, so that's what they would be talking about. Yeah. And, and when I made this list, I, I did quite a bit of research into what – influence the Duffer brothers when they used references from these movies. And there's definitely two factors. There's one of, they just really loved the movies and they wanted to reference it in some way by either uh, having a movie poster in the room or having a line, or in this case for um, the star Wars trilogy, they name reference it multiple times and they have several toys in the show. Obviously the millennium Falcon is the infamous scene where Dustin is trying to get 11 teaser powers on it. And, the other half is where they take concepts from the movie and definitely throw it in there for nostalgia purposes where viewers can go, I've seen that before. That's the movie where they're pulling it from. And we get that with the E.T., which um, is definitely another one we'll be talking quite a bit about in this episode. I mean, I, I'll just go right into the, the E.T. one. It's very similar in that whole, hey, we got to keep E.T. in Elliot's room until... You know, it's safe to come out, and that's very similar to what we have going on with Eleven at the beginning of this. And the the opening scene, was it was it the opening scene? Or just one of the scenes in the first episode, where they're all playing Dungeons and Dragons, and yep. uh, it's, it, it's, it's a very similar vibe to the opening of E.T., where they're all sitting around eating, eating, what was it, Reese's Pieces or something along those lines? Reese's Pieces, but they were eating... It's kind of an odd pizza. The Duffer brothers were very specific in that they picked, they were eating pepperoni pizza because that's what the kids were eating in ET while they were flying. Okay. Dragons. They were eating pepperoni pizza. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just silly things like that. It's like no one, unless you've watched ET a thousand times, no one would watch that opening scene of Stranger Things and go, oh, that's from ET. But it's just something that they loved and they threw it in there. It's kind of homage to it. It's not necessarily me going, Oh, that's from E.T. It's I can tell you're trying to kind of recreate that uh, that aura that 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 movie had. Yeah. And it's one of the rare shows or movies that I feel like it's actually been able to do that without yeah. seeming forced, without seeming like, huh, this is what we're trying to do. I know what you're trying to do, but it it's actually working and it works because of the chemistry of the actors and yeah. because it's a little more subtle than it is in a lot of other shows where they try to do this and also in that first episode too when we get um when we get will running to the tool shed when the monster's chasing that's also a scene that they mentioned was very was a specific homage to et where he's running to that tool shed in the movie it's just, you know, for those that are cinematic nerds like us, you pick up and say, oh, that looks very similar. And that was another scene that, for cinematic purposes, it was pretty much a shot-for-shot shot scene from E.T. And I really love that scene. Uh-huh. which just through the mist of the tool shed. And then building on relationships, like you mentioned with Elliot and E.T., we get that with Mike and Eleven, where Mike's kind of teaching Eleven about culture and society and just walking her through the house and looking at things 
another you know set of scenes that were very similar to what we get in ET. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have to do that whole, you know, hey, let's put a wig on ET <laughs> thing with yes. with Eleven, where it's like, let's make you look like you're just another kid at school, and and, and thankfully make you try to blend in. Thankfully, Eleven naturally looked much better in a wig than ET. That was the one scene that always drove me. <laughs> watching the movie, I was just like, like who who is watching? Who's just walking around and say, hey? That little girl doesn't look normal. Like, just no one noticed. That always bothers me. Yeah, that's that's something that I've I've noticed with a lot of those '80s movies where it's like the adults are the dumbest ones there, mm-hmm. and and the kids are the the smart ones that kind of have to wake everybody up to what's going on. Yeah, and and this has that as well. But it's still a comical scene with them going to the school, um, them being Mike Eleven and all of them. And the whole scene, I know we made fun of it in the previous recording. Just, <laughs> hey, this is my cousin from Sweden. Just like, of all places, like, why wouldn't you just randomly pick somewhere in the United States? <laughs> why not? Um, I'm going to have to ask you to, because I, I asked you to kind of highlight some of these that were kind of the bigger influences. So if we go on to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I have to defer to you completely. I, and maybe yeah. the Goonies, too, because I, I do not remember much from that movie. It so has been a long time. Let's touch on the Goonies real quick. Yeah, go and for then it. We'll, then we'll hit up Nightmare on Elm Street. Because the Goonies, if you if you can remember a little bit, that might be helpful. Yeah. We'll okay. brush up your memory. Because especially now, in this last episode where we talked, now we just entered season two. We have an infamous Goonie in the cast, Sean Astin. Yeah. And that was definitely a big homage to the Goonies in itself. And that was partially a reason why the Duffer Brothers hired him is because they based this group of kids off of the Goonie crew. And they're like, well, we got to have an original Goonie in this cast at some point in time. They got the wrong one. Although I like, I like, I do like Sean Astin a lot in season two. They, they've got to get a, uh, they got to get Kihoi Kwan. Yeah. Uh, fresh off his Oscar win for everything, everywhere, all at once. You got to get him in uh, the last season of Stranger Things. Stick him in there somewhere. <laughs> I think. I remember, if I remember correctly, Mike's character from what I read um, was actually based off of. Sean Astin's character, Mikey, from the mm-hmm. So that I thought was a very interesting little homage. However, character wise, they, to me, I don't think they're very similar at all. But mm-hmm. that was just a little thing that they mentioned is um, Mike from Stranger Things was based off of Mikey from The Goonies. But you have. Dennis Kids. What's that? And, and it's, just, you know, just the vibe of the kids coming to yeah. save the day. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole kind of gist of the Goonies was you have a close knit group of friends and they go on this big adventure together. And that's kind of how it is here. It's just, we have a group of kids that just fell across this random, you know, girl in the middle of the woods and they go on all these adventures together. And 
just the exchange and you're going through puberty and you're getting like little love interests going on and you get boys going with girls and going, ew, I don't like girls. But now all of a sudden they're liking girls and you get that conflict with Lucas and Mike and kind of growing up where Lucas was very against including a girl into the group and including anybody new. And now in season two, we're already starting to see that kind of flip-flop where Mike is now completely against the girl because he lost his girlfriend. So you're getting a lot of teenage drama getting thrown into the mix. And that's definitely a coming-of-age type trope with any movie or TV show. And we're definitely seeing that comparison between the two. As far so as I that, guess... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to move on to a different one. So let's finish up with your thoughts on the Goonies first before we start jumping around. Yeah. Um, so one more quick thing is the Duffer brothers mentioned that they mirrored the characters from Stranger Things off of the characters from Goonies. The leader of the group, Mike, um, is referenced to the character in the Goonies. And then there's the athlete trope who is played by Steve Harrington. The swap trope was based off of Luke, Lucas Sinclair. And then the resourceful character was Will Byers. And the pessimist, Dustin Harrison. And I don't Nancy. think that... Was Dustin a pessimist? I thought Lucas was the one that was a lot that, more That's like... what they referenced. So going to the um... Gooey section, the leader of the group was called Mikey. He had an athletic older brother, Brandon Walsh, who I believe was played by... Ah, uh, blank on the character's name, uh, actor's name. Um, played Cable in Deadpool. Josh Brolin. Yeah, that's who I thought it was too. Yeah. I just wasn't 100%. But yeah, Josh Brolin. Now, Josh Brolin is an actor we need in Stranger Things. We need a, we need a Josh Brolin. We need a, uh, the, we need a police <laughs> detective duo of Josh Brolin and Kihoi Kwan. Oh, Do it. Yes. Let's get it. That. Um, Indiana Jones. I saw you mention that, and you have that listed here. Yep. And it was a very minor reference, but the yeah. they talk about Hopper's character and how his banter between characters, his fighting, or specifically his fighting skills, which is definitely just you know the one strong hit punch, and in uh, his hat were specifically based off of Indiana Jones, which I can definitely see. I didn't get that vibe. No, I, no, I didn't get. I didn't get that at all. And it's not a detriment to the story. It's not a detriment to Hopper. Not a detriment to Indiana Jones. Nothing like that. I just, I just didn't really see it. I mean, Hopper doesn't scream Indiana Jones to me, but I can see what they're going for. With one, he's always got his, you know, sheriff's hat on. Very similar. He's very passionate about his hat, just like Indiana Jones. And his fighting style is kind of similar to Indiana Jones, because in the movies, Indiana Jones doesn't really fight. And if he does, he usually does, you know, one really hard cocked back punch and then uses his whip. Same thing with Hopper. He's really just kind of a one strong hit to knock him down, and hopefully that's it. Hopper definitely does a little bit more fighting than that, but I can see the inspiration behind it. Okay. Now I see what you have written down for Jaws, and knowing that it's their probably their favorite film isn't necessarily surprising. However, the quote that you had about the Duffers 
on the Demogorgon, I think is really interesting. I yes. never thought about it like that. We'll go into it. Let yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I can, I can go ahead. It says uh, it is an interdimensional being that is more common with the shark than from Jaws than Pennywise from It, which is another thing that I kind of thought of, but maybe just more because I saw Finn Wolfhard in It shortly <laughs> after the first season. Uh, when the monster enters our dimension, it's like a shark breaching the water, very much like a shark drags its prey back into its home where it feeds, which. Yeah, that, that that makes sense, and I I never really thought about the uh, the demogorgon in that particular way, but now I do. And, and they kind of have a conversation about it in the show where Nancy and Jonathan, when they were finally when they're like kind of theorizing how they can hunt this monster down, they make that comparison where they're saying it's you know it's a hunter, it tracks its prey, and it takes you know it smells blood. Very similar to the shark who can, you know, smell blood for miles and miles away. So you definitely see that comparison to a shark, which I didn't think of at the time. But after doing the research, I was like, I can definitely see now the comparison to Jaws. All right. I'll leave you to Nightmare on Elm Street and Poltergeist. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you at all with these. So Nightmare on Elm Street is very, it's a very twisted fucked up type of horror movie which i bet i'd love it it's it's not your traditional slasher you got you know friday the 13th and halloween are very just straightforward you got a guy who for some reason can't be killed and just goes on a killing spree nightmare on elm street you have a character who basically enters people's dreams and can kill them in your dreams that's the main concept behind freddy and I don't. I never really saw the direct reference when I was watching it, but after reading this, I can see it. It's not necessarily the dream aspect in here, but there's definitely little hints sprinkled throughout. And you I definitely, was definitely going to say, I think that that might play a bigger influence in yes, and come, yes, without giving too much away. But season four is definitely. I mean, season four. Let me tell you. Hold four, on. Keep that back. in the pocket for season four. <laughs> But it's just, I know the characters themselves were based off of characters in Nightmare on Elm Street, specifically Nancy and Jonathan. Wasn't um, Nancy the main character's name in Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes, if I'm okay. fairly certain it was. Uh, I know I know some, some stuff about the movie, but I just haven't so seen it. I'll read their little blurb. And Nancy Wheeler's name and character was primarily based off of nightmare and elm street's main character nancy thompson who is also the final girl of the movie um her boyfriend is the popular athlete um who gets killed by this mysterious entity aka freddy and she goes on a hunt for said monster for revenge very similar to this where not necessarily um or i'm sorry they have a best friend that's killed by freddy not the boyfriend I think the boyfriend in the movie is played by Johnny Depp, if I remember right. That might be his character. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to remember who played who, but it's kind of the same concept where Nancy in Stranger Things has a you know the athlete boyfriend Steve. Her best friend Barb is killed by this mysterious monster, and she decides to go on a hunt for it for revenge. Where she meets up with Jonathan, and they go on a whole hunt for the monster. 
and that definitely plays a big part in season one. So that aspect of her character is heavily influenced from Nightmare on Elm Street. As for the monsters, not so much, but that's, you know, at least for season one. Like we said, season four definitely plays a whole different whole different ball game on that. Um, the Nightmare on Elm Street, I think they referenced um, with the episode title with the weirdo on Maple Street, I think was slightly in a reference yeah, to yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. That's what I got. Um, yeah, that, that was really the main main chunks of things that I saw from this movie that was inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sure Duff Brothers had a lot of little other things sprinkled through it. Um, another scene uh, with the Demogorgon when it was pushing through the walls with uh, in the buyer's home where Joyce saw like, it's kind of like that weird stretching of the wall and you can see the outline of the head, but you can actually see what the monster was. There was a scene in that movie in Nightmare on Elm Street that was very similar um, they were very famous for using kind of like the claws would come through the walls or some sort of door, and you kind of see the you know fabric of reality stretching with Freddy breaching through the nightmare dimension into our dimension, and they kind of did the same similar dimension splitting type maneuver with the Demogorgon in season one. That was definitely probably the biggest inspiration outside of Nancy's character. But Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely a movie we will have to sit down and watch because it'll probably be, you'll probably see a lot more of the influences when you watch it. I think there's like seven Fright, uh, not Fright Nights. It's, oh, it's Fright another Nights on classic that's got dozens of sequels. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movies and uh, something of a spinoff like Freddy vs. Jason that's, that's on that 4,100 movie uh list i sent you all right we'll definitely be watching that because those are those are gold mm. <laughs> well poltergeist is another one i have a remake to watch and an original to watch yeah that... so uh fill me in on how this kind of uh takes from poltergeist as well so poltergeist is i'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. it's another alternate dimension type monster that we see and that that's definitely another a lot of the horror movies from the sci-fi world of the 80s where it's alternate dimensions definitely plays into Stranger Things where they have the whole upside-down dimension. That was a big influence. But the family aspect of the buyers, I think, or the buyers of the wheelers, um, was influenced from Poltergeist where we have... Um, let me see here. Got to reference my... I have so many damn notes, it's hard to read them. <laughs> You have an insane amount of notes on this thing. I that's my thing. It's just I, I go through them all, I, I analyze shit, and but then I forget what I write half the time. <laughs> but the one thing so we talked a lot about the the dog in Stranger Things, the buyer's family dog who just randomly shows up at random points in the show. That dog was actually influenced from the dog in the family of poltergeist. Because in Poltergeist, the dog randomly sees things happening that the family is unaware of. This dog in Stranger Things kind of has a similar concept where it sees the monster, you know, chasing and attacking Will, but no one else sees it, obviously, because it was the middle of the night. So that was an aspect there. Um, that also has a little Terminator in it too, because for every reason in Terminator movies, like it's always like 
the dog can tell that it's a Terminator, and it's like, how? Because <laughs> they're dogs. They, they have that, that sixth sense. I guess. And then the family aspect of the Wheeler family was based off of the Poltergeist family, where they have the father, do- uh, father and mother... They have an eldest daughter, a middle son, and youngest daughter, same as the Wheeler family. You got Ted, Karen, then you have Nancy, Mike, and Holly. And Holly's another kind of weird carryover where Holly sees the monster in the walls in that one episode, Holly Jolly. And that was kind of the same thing, a similar scene from Poltergeist, that infamous scene where everybody, you know, she's watching the TV and she goes, They're here. Kind of the same you know, homage to kind of nod to that scene. Um, but other than that, that was kind of the main draw that I got from Poltergeist. Um, it was a lot more of the character family aspect. I know the costumes um, were also, the costumes of the Wheelers were very heavily influenced by the Poltergeist family. But again, you know, unless you're a big costume and design nerd, you wouldn't really probably notice it at all. That's something that I, I'll probably notice once I watch Poltergeist. Yeah, and that's that's definitely an important part of shows when you're trying to really get that nostalgia kind of aspect to a show. The Duffer Brothers did a great job of really making sure as much stuff from that time frame was in the show as possible. Between video games, movie posters, clothing, like the music being listened to, you feel like you're in the 80s watching this show. There's a lot of other TV shows don't put as much effort into it and you're like you there's always those scenes where you're like that was definitely not in that time frame like it, it just sticks out whereas they were very faithful to the 80s and they wanted you to feel like you were in an 80s sci-fi type show and that's one yeah i i had a uh <clears throat> i can get very nitpicky with those types of things like for example i saw a movie that came out a few weeks ago and it takes place in 2006 uh, over the summer of 2006 and yet they're at home watching super bad on dvd <laughs> that came out in 2007 it didn't get released on dvd until winter of 2007 so you're and wrong again, should have been watching something you else. Were there unless you were there living in 2006 and you have a very fond memory of not being able to have you know <laughs> that on dvd you would never know exactly yeah but that, but that just kind of stuck out to me and it kind of took me out for a minute. So it, it can happen. It can happen. Uh, like, the next the next two are really interesting to me personally because these are two of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, the Shining being my favorite horror movie. Um, definitely that, that, that scene where she's kind of breaking through the wall with the axe. Definitely yep. an homage to Jack Nicholson and the Here's Johnny scene from the Outlook or the yes. Overlook. I, it's been a while since I've watched the movie uh, for some reason. It's it, it, it's a long one. It's one that you have to be, you know, ready to sit and yep. watch it. It's not a casual watch. No, but at not. the same time, it's it's a classic, and it's it definitely had vibes of that uh, that iconic moment from the. I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes if I, Kubrick movie. If I want to watch The Shining. I'll sometimes skip like the first half hour of the movie. Yeah, I can't do that with movies. I I've got to be all the way what? in because I've watched it so many times. But it's like the first the whole first out like half hour is them just traveling to the hotel and learning about the hotel. Yeah. Nothing no, is in the context of the movie in that first half hour. So I usually just but it, it's 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 just it's building tension and building character I know. and getting the mood going. Uh but that was definitely the big shining uh 
tribute. And then Stand By Me is definitely more of, of vibes. Although there's there's some stuff as far as like uh, the the bullies, they do have kind of very Stephen King esque bullies in in Stranger Things, where they're just always looking to beat up our uh, protagonists. You know, they, yeah. they they carry weapons. And, yeah, Stephen and King has very violent bullies. Stephen King is bullies from another dimension, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's, it's insane. But the vibe of of Stand by Me. Uh, you know, the, the child actors reading lines from scenes of that movie during auditions makes a lot of sense because it does carry a very similar tone of we want you to like being with these kids, but at the same time, they're in a very serious situation and they're in very serious danger. And we want you to feel that as well. And Stand By Me, like I mentioned, it's not like the Goonies where it's, you know, it's fun. You like being with the kids, all of that stuff is is true, but at the same time, it's a much more serious movie, and there is real danger that these kids are in, and also just real consequences, and we get to more of that over the course of other seasons, but the the, the tone of Stand by Me is it's a tough one to manage because you do still want the fun-loving kind of recklessness of the kids, but you want to take them seriously as well. And I think Stranger Things uh, walks that line pretty well. Yeah, I mean, bullies can definitely play a good aspect in taking things to a more serious note when you have a TV show or film that has a, let's say a violent bully, but more of a high-stakes bully. It's not just a, you know, calling names and teasing it's like they get violent and you realize all right these kids are going through this every day and actually getting like bullied bullied by these kids and it makes you feel for the character more i mean you have dustin who has an actual physical condition and mike just gets bullied because he you know he looks weird but you have these bullies that pull blades on you in middle school I we never went through that. Like there was no bullies pulling blades on us in middle there school. There was there was some stuff in middle school that was like it was kind of rough, but it was nowhere near that. Yeah, like we had it, just, it, it was just it was just like, man, I am going to either like the physical was just like punching. Yeah. But like and also just you're gonna get you're you're gonna get flamed at the lunch table was, for there, what those <laughs> shoes you're wearing, but <laughs> there was nothing. There was no life-threatening bullying that we faced in middle school. Whereas, you know, this was life-threatening. It's like, hey, I'm gonna slice your friend's mouth open with this knife, or unless you jump off the cliff and basically kill yourself. Like that. Like that was a whole other level of extreme in this show. That I like. I remember the first time watching. I was like, what the fuck? Like that. That's that's a new like level. I was not expecting that. Did you say that you had seen Firestarter? I had not. Okay, so that's the one that neither one of us can really comment on too terribly much, but it is one that you you referenced. Uh, I, yeah, I can't really can't really add too much to it except for I, I just never heard a single good thing about that remake. When I when I was reading the notes from the Duffer Brothers off of the movie, I thought it was just important to put down there because the protagonist. Uh, the name is Charlie McGee from Firestarters. Has very similar abilities with Eleven, 
Um, according to the uh, the notes, they are both young girls with psychic abilities who are pursued by malevolent government agencies. I really thought that Charlie McGee was going to be a story about a young man, like an 11-year-old boy <laughs> who, learned, who learned how to talk to pigs. Right? <laughs> yeah. But um, And then it goes on further where it's like, uh, both Charlie and Eleven have mothers who, while in college, participated in secret government experiments involving the intake of hallucinogenic drugs. Charlie and oh, Eleven are born. Charlie and Eleven are born with supernatural powers as a result to these experiments. I mean, it, it's literally like they stole, they took the character from Firestarter and created Eleven out of it. Oh. Is I thought that was important to mention because that's pretty much a direct influence for. 11's character and we get that with akira as well um akira i think was another one neither have you seen akira akira is not one that i've seen okay so that was another one we haven't seen so both the movies that heavily influenced 11's character are both movies we have not seen so conveniently enough um akira was similar concept with the whole you know psychic powers um in akira apparently the uh main characters being used to spy on the Russian government or I think it was secret government weapon or something like that. And the kids in these movies call themselves the espers and they assign numbers to these kids as kind of an identity. And the main character Akira was number 28. So that was kind of more of an influence towards 11's, you know, infamous tattoo and being called 11 in the show. So Akira and Firestarter were two big influences for Eleven's character, which is important to mention because she's kind of like the main character of the show. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, uh, Alien is, you know, very small reference, but the scene in the finale where they find Will with the uh, like tentacle going down his throat and the eggs that Hopper finds throughout the layer of the Upside Down that was a big nod towards Alien. Um, but other than that, that was kind of it for Alien. But again, it was worth mentioning because Alien is a classic sci-fi movie from that time. I have seen that one. I, and I, I am in the very, 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 very small minority in that. I do not like that movie. Yeah, I've it seen just, it once. I, I'm not a fan. It was never my cup of tea. It just bored the hell out of me. Now, I loved Aliens. I thought Aliens was fantastic. But Alien just, it, it didn't grip me. And it, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. And sometimes, it's, some classics, you're not going to you're not gonna hit 100% with, with what everyone else thinks. But, hey, we can't love them all. That's true. That's true. Um, part of me wanted, and I know that that this is something that maybe we can't get too deep into, and we have no plans for it whatsoever, but if we run into this type of scenario again, kind of, I'd like to just imagine what Connor and Nick think are coming in seasons two, three, and four, given what we've seen so far. Like, what do they think is coming down the pipe? Let's just get a quick prediction and then ask him this at the beginning of the next episode. Just like a very quick, where do you think we are compared to where we are now? I mean, I don't know if you've 
notice every episode when I'm asking for the predictions. I'm trying to get more out of them. Yeah, I, I, they, I have a feeling that they don't want to give Connor you. definitely goes more in depth towards what the characters are doing, and Nick kind of just gives a very general, <laughs> general vibe off of what Connor says a lot of times. Yeah, I, I I really want to get them to think about what's coming down the road because. You and I know, you know, season four they have tiebacks all the way back to season one, and I'm, yeah. I I want them to make guesses because I I would love to see their predictions come either true or not true, come season four, yeah, because we know what happens, so we can kind of push them in the right direction of like, hey, this is important, pay attention to this, mm-hmm. and Nick actually make it. Nick actually made a couple good predictions last episode. Nick, yeah. Nick, when he says something, I'm like, oh, man. I feel like he's catching on to stuff a little quick. Yeah, Nick, Nick's definitely on the right track. So I hope he doesn't listen to this and get confirmation of it. But, yeah, he, he's definitely on the right track. So he's he's picking up things. But, again, we're all adults. Sometimes these, these things are easy to predict. But Yeah. Hey, we don't know what's coming in season five, so there's there's always something to throw us a loop there too. I've been sitting just waiting for some sort of teaser to come out. I mean, hey, the the, the strike's done, so I know. they can start they can start working on it. And I think, I think they've already started. It's just a matter of waiting for something to come out. Yeah, I think that they have. I mean, we finally got a teaser trailer for House of the Dragon season two, which I'm very looking forward to. I yeah, me too. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to them getting The Last of Us Season 2 uh, going because the first season, while I don't think as good as everyone else says it is, I did really enjoy it. Uh, but, yeah, no, there's, there's there's lots of stuff to look forward to, and uh, hopefully we're, we're, we're talking about it. Yeah, so next time we have uh, just a week of you and me, we'll uh, touch, touch base on some more movies and things that influence stranger things and maybe talk about those movies more in depth sounds good to me and hey if nothing else this has given me you and anyone listening uh, a lot of good 70s and 80s movies to put on the watch list if you haven't already yeah or re or rewatch because i mean like for example stand by me never a bad time to watch stand by me i might have to start watching i might watch uh stand by me this weekend and not the south park one the actual no, I will, actual stand I, will by watch, me. I will watch the full movie. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that'll wrap things up for this episode of Stranger Nerds. For Tommy Grant, I'm Mitchell Lee. And you've been listening to the Stranger Nerds podcast on Jersey Nerds Productions. Have a good night.